Hey, community of faith, I hope you're doing well on this holiday weekend. I, listen, I feel like I need to start off this morning uh, by just making a public apology. I'm afraid that 2020 is all my fault, everything that's taken place. Um, I got an email back at the end of 2019, and I read through this email, and at the very end, it said, forward this to 20 of your closest friends, or 2020 will be the worst year of your life. And I was skeptic, but I was wrong. And so I feel like I need to take responsibility for all the craziness that we're experiencing. Um, obviously, that's a little bit ridiculous, but it is kind of a crazy time. There's a lot of uncertainty. There are some things going on in our world that are making us uncomfortable, some things that are um, causing some fear, some discouragement, some doubt. And I just want us to press into that a little bit today. I want us to, to wrap our minds around something as we continue in the series called Next, finding peace where we are, but purpose where we're headed I want us to think about all that's going on as we reflect on the COVID-19 spike that's happened the last couple of weeks, as we reflect on some of the um, craziness in our culture when we look and think about social injustice, we think about job losses, we think about the economy, we think about a, a recession, there's all of these things and it feels like it's closing in on us. And on this weekend where we are celebrating by turning our neighborhoods into war zones with fireworks, the birth of a nation hundreds of years ago on July 4th. I started thinking about this, and I started thinking about specifically the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, it's interesting that in schools and uh, in gatherings, people often will start the day reciting the Pledge of Allegiance as children. And I was thinking about the words of the Pledge of Allegiance, I was thinking about the practice of saying the Pledge of Allegiance, and my fear is, is that sometimes we just say things and we don't really understand why we're saying the things that we say. So I was thinking about that. I was like, why the Pledge of Allegiance every day? And regardless of the tension that that might create in our current climate in our nation, I was thinking about just the act of the Pledge of Allegiance. What it's supposed to be, I believe, is an opportunity for us every single day to think about our commitment and our loyalty, our alignment with each other. You see, every business, every nation, every civic organization, every um, football team, baseball team, there's a, there's a commitment, there's a loyalty, there's an allegiance that is necessary in order to be the most successful. And failure of having that commitment or that allegiance or that loyalty, loyalty to each other can oftentimes lead us to a place of deterioration, of dysfunction, of chaos ultimately to a place where we're not able to obtain or live in and accomplish the things that we desire to accomplish. And in that mindset of allegiance today, I, as we step back into the book of Joshua, I wanted us to think about the allegiance of the Israelites and of Joshua. In a time of uncertainty, in a time of difficulty, when they were wrestling with transition, moving from an old normal to what new normal might look like, there was an allegiance that they held an allegiance to God and an allegiance to each other. And with that in mind, I want us to go back to the first verses of the book of Joshua. 
Joshua chapter one, starting in verse one. I just wanna read this, this passage and then we're gonna break some of this down to give us some really practical things that I believe as we understand more of what it looks like to be loyal and committed to not just God, but also to each other, that we can begin to make some progress in this time of transition. Transition from what was old and normal to the new, to the new normal. So let me read Joshua chapter one, starting in verse one. It says, now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. Verse five says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. Man, that's so strong. If that's all we remember today, there's power in that. Continues on, it says, I will not fail you or forsake you. And then in verse six, be strong and courageous for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous. Courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. And he wraps up this brief portion. He says, have I not commanded you? And for the third time, he says to Joshua, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, as we think about our relationship with Jesus, we think about trusting him with everything in our life. It's not a one-time commitment where we pledge our allegiance to him and then live life a completely different way. It's a journey that we go on, much similar to the Israelites. They've been on a journey and there's a transition taking place and there's an alignment, there's an allegiance, there's a loyalty, there's a commitment that they are committed to on a daily basis and it's the same thing for our lives. It's this opportunity for us to continue to make progress in this relationship with Jesus. And I think that what happens in this passage for Joshua is that there's some specific steps that he gets to take. He has an option, he has an opportunity to step into something specific in order to make progress in this relationship with his God. The first one is simply this. In verse one, we see that God gets his attention. He's like, hey, listen, Joshua, hashtag Mo is no Mo. He has he, he is passed away. Moses has passed on. This is a time of grieving. This is a time for Joshua where he's, discouraged, he's disappointed, he's frustrated, and they've been mourning the death of Moses, their great leader. I think it's also a time where Joshua's beginning to recognize that the day is coming where he's supposed to take on this leadership. And I'm sure for Joshua, like many of us in this moment, he's beginning to reflect, does he have the ability? Does he have what it takes? Is he able to do all that God is calling him to do to lead these people into the promised land? Is he capable? And he probably started to think back to things in his life in the past where people doubted him. They doubted his judgment. They doubted his wisdom when he came back with the other spies and said, man, let's take the land. 
And people were like, ah, hang, hang on, Joshua. We know that you're excited. And so I, ma- I imagine there was some vain imagination that started to kind of run wild in his mind. And so here in this moment, God gets Joshua's attention and he tells him to do something specific. He says, arise. He says, get up. You've been sitting for 30 days, mourning the life of Moses, a great man, a great servant of the Lord. But it's time. It's time to stand up. It's time to recognize something. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to make some progress. And so in this moment, we see Joshua have an opportunity to recognize God's plan for his life, for you and me to make progress in our relationship with Jesus. We've got to recognize that there's a plan for our life, that there's a purpose for our life. We've got to recognize God's plan for our lives. And it's interesting, the timing, because it's in this moment of grief this moment of disappointment, of discouragement, of uncertainty, of transition, that God gets Joshua's attention. He said, now is the time, Joshua, arise. You know, it's interesting that in times where God does his greatest work in us to make progress in our lives, to shape us, it's in those times of the greatest progress and work in our lives, most often it happens when things are uncertain when God allows changes around us to happen, even when they go against our desires or our expectations. Joshua found himself in this place, the same place that we find ourselves in right now. And what's interesting is that Joshua knows what this is gonna take. This is a dangerous journey. He's about to take them into the promised land. There's danger ahead. But this isn't the first dangerous journey that they've been on. This is the same people group who fled danger in Egypt. They took a dangerous journey from the Egyptians to escape captivity, to be delivered from the slavery that they found themselves in. They had been rescued by their heavenly father. And so as they ran from danger, now they find themselves in a place where they're going to pursue danger. So there's an opportunity here for Joshua to get up, to stand up, to trust and begin to understand and step into the plan that God has for his life. You know, sometimes I think we have a misunderstanding of what it looks like to follow and trust Jesus. Oftentimes, a relationship with Jesus leads us to a place where it's uncomfortable. It leads us to a place of discomfort. It leads us to a place of um, danger. It leads us to a place where it may cost us some things And that is the Christian life. The champion of our faith, Jesus, lived that life. He lived a humble life. He lived a difficult life. He lived an uncomfortable lifestyle on purpose to model for us what it looked like. And so as we step into this relationship with Jesus, we're stepping into a purpose and a plan for our lives that's not always safe, that's not always comfortable, that's not always um, what's in it for me, It comes at a cost. And sometimes we can get discouraged and we can get distracted and we lose track of what that looks like. But Joshua is living that in this moment. Progress happens when we recognize God's plan for our life. But not only that, if you continue to read, we read in verse two, as he asks him to arise and begin to cross the Jordan, he says, there's a land that I'm giving to them. He's giving the land to them. So this is is currently happening. It's interesting. This is in present tense. He says, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you. So he says, it's already done. The land is yours. 
So it's done, I'm giving it to you. It's an interesting way that he uses the tenses in this passage, just as I spoke to Moses. And then he's very specific with what he's giving. He's very specific about the plot of land, about the area, and he's giving these specific points of reference so that Joshua clearly knows this is the land that has been promised to you. This is the land that you are stepping into. He's reminding Joshua some things. He's reminding Joshua of some of his previous promises. In order for us to make progress in our relationship with Jesus, not only do we have to recognize that God has a plan for our life, but we've gotta remember And as we remember, we begin to trust his promises for our life. Trust God's promises. That's what we see in verses two through five. The first thing he talks about is the promised land. It's very specific. It's a place. It's already been given. It's already been accomplished. Everything is already done. He's just inviting them to take hold of the gift that he has for them. Just like he's done for us, he sent Jesus to the cross to accomplish what we couldn't accomplish for ourselves. There's a gift and there's an invitation to receive this gift. And this gift brings new hope. It brings new life. It brings new understanding, new perspective, even in the most difficult, challenging times in our lives. He continues on, he begins to talk about, he says, no man in verse five, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. What he's saying, he's saying, hey, listen, There's a currency here, and the currency is trust. But if you'll trust me, if you'll lean on me, when you don't understand all that's going on around you, you just look to me and you trust my promises for your life. And as you trust the promises that I have for your life, there is no enemy that can stand against you. And I know for Joshua, he's thinking about leading people into an unfamiliar new place where uh, armies and nations are going to try to defeat them and exterminate them. And for us, we may not be facing an army that's trying to take our life, but we are facing enemies every single day in our life. And oftentimes the greatest enemy is the enemy that's inside our minds. When we look into the mirror and we begin to think about ourselves, we get to believe things about ourselves. We begin to think about our failures and the disappointments where we've let people down, we've let ourselves down. And this enemy begins to rage war in our minds to destroy, to distract, to discourage so that we will not make progress towards what he's already promised is for us. We have victory when we begin to trust him, and that's a promise that God is reminding Joshua of in this, but then he continues on as he's talking about these enemies, he's talking about trusting. He says, just as I've been with Moses, all these years, Joshua, just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you, and I will not fail you or forsake you. He says, I'm with you. I'm not gonna leave you. I'm not gonna fail you. Oftentimes, I struggle with the tension between what I feel and the integrity of God's promises. Sometimes my, my feelings begin to dictate and, 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 and lead my understanding to where God is and what God's doing in my life. You know, as, as, as an American, as Americans on this July 4th weekend, I was reflecting and I, I honestly think, and this may not be true about you, but I can say this about me because I know it's true about me, I'm sensitive. I'm easily triggered by things. And it's crazy how quickly my mood can swing from one mood to the next walking through the grocery store, understanding that I'm supposed to have a mask on. You gotta wear your mask. And then I see somebody and they don't have their mask on. And immediately I start to judge 
And then I start to have envy because I don't wanna wear the mask either, but they're not wearing a mask and they need to be wearing the mask. And I start to have these feelings towards that person. It changes the way that I see them. Sometimes I'm a huge sports fan. Sometimes when my team, whether it's, uh, it's uh, Texas A&M football or Atlanta Braves baseball, my team will lose a big game. And so the next day, it never fails. It always happens on a Sunday. A&M has lost a game on Saturday and I show up to church and there's always that one person that comes up to me and says, hey Wes, how about those Aggies yesterday? And everything's good. I mean, life is good. I am having a good day. And in that moment, my feelings begin to change and I have this desire to punch them in the throat. Not really, I've never actually done that. But in that moment, my feelings begin to change. I'm so easily triggered, I'm so sensitive. And I begin to look at them differently. I begin to think different things about them that are unhealthy because we're sensitive. Different things happen. Maybe it's on your Facebook page. You had this epic Facebook post where you were gonna declare to the world how you feel about everything going on in the world. Then somebody disagreed with you. And in that moment, your feelings towards them changed and your view of them began to change. This is what God is wanting us to pay attention to. Because for some of us, for me at times in my life, my faith in Jesus, my devotion, my obedience to Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior is only as strong as the feelings or the emotions that I'm experiencing. And it's a dangerous place to find ourselves. I can be in a moment where I'm thinking, God, you are so good. There was, there was healing in the life of my friend. There was the job opportunity that presented itself to me and I, it was the dream job. It's the, the moment that you answered a prayer that I'd been praying for for so long. I have this, this incredible family. I've got these two great boys. God, you are so good. And then something unexpected happens. I fall on my face, falling into the same temptation that I feel like I fall into all the time and I'm disappointed. Why am I still struggling with this, God? or I get the unexpected diagnosis, or a friend that I trusted says something that I didn't appreciate and that was hurtful and was painful for me. I find out that somebody um, close to me has lost their job or is experiencing some heartache. And it's amazing how quickly I can go from, God, you are so good, to God, where are you? God, do you even care? Are you, are you here? Are you listening to me? Do you understand what's going on in my life, God? My feelings, my emotions begin to dictate what I think God is doing in my life. And if he even is, is interested in my life, it creates this tension. And you understand why this is so important, especially in this passage with Joshua. The reason this is so important is because it's not just about you and me. For Joshua, this was about Joshua, but it was also about the people that he was influencing. For you and for me, it's not just about you and for me, it's for the people that are within our influence, my wife, my kids, my friends, my coworkers, this church, when I'm not okay, when I'm struggling to recognize God's presence in my life, it doesn't just impact my life, it impacts the lives of those closest to me. And it's a dangerous thing and God wanted to remind Joshua, Joshua, I am with you just like I was with Moses. I will not fail you and I will not leave you. Listen, it's okay to not be okay, but I don't think we have to stay there. And there's a reminder here to remember his promises for us, 
to recognize that he is with us. You know, in the Bible, it never promises that we will always feel God's presence in our life. But it does promise that God will never be absent in our life. And I think it's important for us to remember that today as we trust his promises. Progress happens when we trust his promises. The next thing that begins to happen or the next thing that we can step into in order to continue to make progress is what he says three times at the end of this passage. He says, be strong and courageous. There's so much power here. There's so much to gain for us as followers of Jesus or maybe someone who's on the fence, somebody who's not really sure about this whole Jesus thing, just some things for us to consider to be strong and courageous in because it's so much more than just a concept. It's so much more than a thought. It's an allegiance. It's a loyalty. It's a commitment to not just one time, but the reason that I put these in present tense, trusting, being strong and courageous, is because it's something we participate in every single day. He gives them specific things to be strong and courageous in, though. He doesn't just say, hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous. You got this, buddy. And then he pats him on the back and he sends him on his way. He's very specific in what he says. In verse six, he says, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers. He's reminding Joshua, hey, I've given you a role and a responsibility. And so you be strong and courageous in your role and your responsibilities. None of us are leading an army or a nation against nations who want to take our lives or want to keep us from the land that's been promised to us. But every single one of us have been given a role and a responsibility in this life. And like Joshua, we're in this place of transition where we're to be strong and courageous in the roles and the responsibilities that he's trusted us with as we navigate the new normal, as we navigate into the new land, the unfamiliar. He's tasked us with something. This is where his purpose and his plan begins to come into better focus as moms, as dads, as husbands, as wives, laying our lives down for each other with a sacrificial love submitted to one another, as bosses, as we lead well, as we lead with integrity, as we care for those that are following our leadership, as friends, carrying one another's burdens with each other. We have roles, we have responsibilities. As employees, maybe you're in a season right now where you're just stuck. You're like, man, I can't get out of this funk. I don't like my job right now. My job is just kinda, it's just not, there's not a lot of motivation. There's not a lot of joy in it. I was thinking about that this week. And even thinking about that for myself, like I don't like the days that we're in right now with some of the responsibilities that I've been tasked with, thinking about, well, is church gonna be back on campus? Is it gonna be online? How do we navigate this? How do we navigate that? And it gets a little bit frustrating. I'm like, hey, God, where are you working in this? As I'm studying the book of Joshua, my mind went to the Israelites as they marched around the walls of Jericho day after day. Nothing happening. Frustrated. Hey, God, what's going on? Can you give us some insight? I know you said seven days, but we thought maybe we'd see a little bit of progress already happening and they don't sense the progress, but they continued to march. You know, I think it's in these times where we don't see the progress that God's doing his greatest work because it was always more about the work he wants to do in us than the work he wants to do around us. It's important for us to remember that. And he does that as we trust him and we honor him and we live in the roles and the responsibilities that he has tasked us with. Not only does it talk about being 
strong and courageous in our roles and responsibilities. But he says in verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. Courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. He's talking about his word. And so he's saying, be strong and courageous in obedience to God's word. Understanding God's word. You know, I struggle, as probably you do, with being told what to do sometimes. And just this week, my wife and I were driving down the road. It had been a long day. We were at the end of the day, and we had a lot going on one evening. Some things that we didn't plan on doing, and uh, my wife is a planner. I'm not so much a planner. And so we were just kind of in this moment of tension, and we had the thought, what are we going to do for dinner? And uh, I was like, I don't know. What do you want to do? And she's like, I don't know. What do you want to do? You've, you've had that conversation before. And in that moment, I was like, well, let's just, get, uh, let's just get fajitas from Gringo's. And she's like, okay, well, you call them. And I'm like, I'm driving, you call them. She's like, I don't wanna call them. I'm like, you, I'm driving, why don't you just look it up? I'm driving, I don't wanna be on my phone, you call them. And so we had this exchange and it was tense, it was a little bit uncomfortable. And so she finally gets, picks up the phone and she calls them and we're kind of aggravated. We're kind of, our voices are elevated in that moment. She's elevated and her voice is elevated at me. She's grumpy at me. And in that moment, the lady at Gringo's answers. She goes, hi, I'd like to place an order for fajitas for two. And I'm like, oh, that was a nice little pivot there with your, uh, with your attitude. And so I'm just kind of laughing in my head and she gets off the phone. And I was like, man, that was pretty remarkable how you changed your tone in an instant when the lady at Gringo's picked up the phone and she started laughing. And she goes, I knew you were gonna say that. I was like, why are you so nice to them? I was like, I'm a Gringo too, you know? You, we, we, can, we can work this out. We can, we can work on this attitude. But it's interesting because we don't like to be told what to do. And for my wife and I, we're both firstborns. And as a firstborn, we don't like to be told what to do. But in this moment, Joshua, as a leader, someone who, who probably prefers to give everybody else the orders, finds himself in a place where he's not the leader, but actually the follower. And he's called to obedience, not just to something random, but specifically to God's word. And look what it says very specifically. Do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn away from it to the right or left. He says, hey, don't get distracted from this because there's gonna be things that are gonna try to pull your attention. Fox News, CNN News, every news channel in between, you're trying to figure out what do I trust, what do I believe, what's really going on in this world? He's saying, hey, don't turn from the right or to the left. Let this be the source that you run to for the information that you need in the life right now in this time of uncertainty and chaos and transition. He says, don't turn from the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What he's saying, he's saying, hey, talk about it, share it. I've said this for years, but as I think about sitting in a, in a room or listening online or sitting in a Bible study or even as I do my own personal devotions, it's never to be done so I can check a box off a to-do list. It's done so that I can receive it in a way that I can reproduce it. And when we take on the mindset of reproducing what we've heard, we listen differently. We process differently. And it begins to take hold in our minds. And as it takes hold in our minds, it begins to transform our hearts. And all of a sudden, we begin to live a little bit differently. And I don't know about you, but there's some things that I read in this that are convicting that need to change some of my habits, some of my tendencies, some of the things that I participate in. Because they're broken, they're fractured, and they're not doing any good for me or for anybody around me. So he says, he says, do not let these depart from your mouth for you shall meditate on it day and night. He's saying, hey, remember it. Continue to repeat it. Spend time repeating verses. Memorize scripture. When you think about God's word, find a verse that's powerful and just let that verse continue in your mind, maybe for a day, for a week, for a month. There's power in this. 
so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. I want success, I wanna be prosperous. But I've learned in my life, there's nothing prosperous about me chasing after the things that I want. But there's a lot of hope, there's a lot of peace, there's a lot of joy when I follow and I trust his ways. And I find that his ways are much more prosperous than my ways. It may not look like what the world says is prosperous, but it's always better. But I've gotta trust him. So we've gotta be strong and courageous as we're obedient to his word. And then the last thing he says in verse nine, he says it again for the third time, he says, be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. As you recognize your roles and responsibilities and all that you've been tasked with to honor God in those things, to live those things out in the way that he prescribes in his word as we understand his word, as we read the Bible and we do what it says and then finally he says, be strong and courageous. But he says, have I not commanded you? And he's calling us to be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous in overcoming our fear and discouragement in our lives. Man, I was convicted by this this week. And listen, this is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. I love the book of Joshua and I love the first chapter of Joshua. I can hardly read it in my Bible because I've got so many notes and scribble marks in on this one page. But this stuck out to me this week. I was reminded of this this week. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong, courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be dismayed. Don't tremble for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I had this thought, if I find myself stuck in fear, if I find myself stuck in discouragement, am I ultimately living in sin? Because he says here in the form of a command, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Well, the opposite of that would be weak and terrified. And there's times in my life, especially in this season right now, where I begin to feel this overwhelming sense of fear and discouragement. And I think what he's calling Joshua out in is he's reminding him from the very beginning of this journey and this time of transition as they look towards a new normal. And he's saying, hey, right now you're in a season of grief and discouragement, maybe even a little bit of doubt for what's ahead, but you cannot be afraid and you cannot be discouraged. I'm with you. There's gonna be days down the road where you're gonna be terrified. You're gonna be discouraged. You're gonna be uncertain about what the next day is gonna look like. He says, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. I'm afraid that sometimes we get stuck in a place of fear, in a place of discouragement. You know, this week I was actually sitting in my office preparing for this message and I was reading through this particular part of the passage and a school bus drove in front of my house for the first time since the week before spring break. And it triggered a memory. It triggered a thought in my mind. And I began to think about the last time I heard that school bus was when my boys were about to get on that school bus to go to school on the Friday before spring break. And immediately my mind began to go to places of all that's missing, of all that's not normal, of all that's not like it used to be. And I started to think about fear. I started to get sad. 
I started thinking about my kids and you know, what's school gonna look like this fall and, and are they gonna be held back because of their lack of education over the last several months? What's that gonna mean for the rest of their lives? I started thinking about all my friends and, and people that are struggling in the economy and, and people that are losing their jobs. I started thinking about one of my close friends who was just diagnosed with COVID-19 yesterday and I started to get just overwhelmed with fear and discouragement, thinking, man, what in the world is going on? And immediately this verse came to my mind. Have I not commanded you? Not to Joshua, but Wes. Have I not commanded you, Wes? Be strong and courageous. I know these days are uncertain. I know that they're painful. And I know that you're grieving the loss of some of the things you don't have that you used to have just a few months ago. But you stay strong and you stay courageous, not because of your ability not because of your wisdom, not because of your strength or expertise in anything, but because I am with you and I'm never gonna leave you. And it created some tension for me because I think sometimes in crisis, we get stuck. We get stuck. And we think that being stuck is where we're supposed to be. And in crisis, it's so easy to get there and not even realize it. We begin to think, man, this is terrible. I'm just gonna sit here. I'm just gonna hold out. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna protect myself until things get better. But that's not the life that God is calling us out to. He's calling us to something stronger than that. He's calling us out that when we experience fear, that we would starve our fear with faith, not faith in ourselves, but faith in him. And stand up, arise trusting him, being strong and courageous. Oftentimes in our crisis, our pain is selfish and we only think about ourselves. We think inward, we focus inward. I mean, think about it. If you've ever been walking around in the middle of the night and your little toe was the unfortunate victim of a leg on the coffee table, all of a sudden your toe is like sticking out sideways, like in that moment, you're not thinking about anybody else's pain except for your own. It's a natural tendency for us to focus on ourselves when we're discouraged, when we're hurting, when we're grieving. And so God is calling us into something that's supernatural that we're not capable of doing apart from him. It takes faith, it takes trust. He's calling us out into the unordinary, into the supernatural, to stand up, to trust him, to go every single day strong, and courageous. I'll close with this. I was reading this week uh, about the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. There's this new phenomenon that's going on the last several weeks. There's this sound that is coming from the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's this humming sound. And they've actually described it as a sound that is causing physiological distress. And so you can go online, you can do this today, not right now, finish, listen, this, listen to this last few minutes but you can hear the sound and you can hear people as they're videoing the sound, as they're walking down the sidewalk, the Northwest winds are blowing through the new guardrails for the sidewalk that go all the way across the Golden Gate Bridge and it's causing this sound that's driving people crazy. They're losing their minds. There's this uncomfortable moment. And I started thinking about that. I started thinking about bridges in general. Bridges are already a place that are, that are closing the gap from one 
piece of land to another piece of land over a body of water, over a, a large canyon, whatever it is, but it's this structure that's actually got a lot of stress in it, a lot of tension, a lot of compression. It's what makes bridges work. It's interesting when you think about the book of Joshua, the Joshua is a bridge. It's a bridge from the first five books of the Bible to the historical books of the Bible. It's a bridge where Joshua crosses the Jordan and there's a fulfillment of all the, of all the promises that were given to Abraham all the way in the book of Genesis. It's a bridge from the wandering in the wilderness to the inheritance of the promised land. It's a bridge from an old life to a new life. And I think for us today, we find ourselves on that bridge, a place of stress, a place of tension. As we think about what's behind us, and we have a lot of uncertainty about what's in front of us. And ultimately, we have to decide what are we going to focus on? Where is our allegiance going to be? As we are, find ourselves in this moment of transition, in this moment of tension and stress, where will we place our focus? My prayer is that our allegiance would be to Jesus. That we place our focus there on what he's already accomplished on our behalf, new life, new opportunity, new hope, a promise that we can never lose hold of. <clears throat> and then we would just look to him instead of focusing on all the things going on around us that we can't make sense of, focusing on the one thing that has never changed, the agenda that has always stayed the same, an agenda that is for you and for me because his love is so incredibly strong for us. So when we find ourselves in a place of struggle, of frustration, our struggle is not evidence that God has bailed on us. Our struggles are proof that he is still working on our behalf. So you be strong, you be courageous. Will you close your eyes for me? Just wherever you're sitting, you know, in old school days as we were sitting in churches over the years, there was always that moment at the end of a service where a pastor would say, hey, if, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to consider what God's stirring in your heart. And that kind of sounds a little bit archaic, but I just want you to think about that. In your living room, in the coffee shop, in the car as you're driving down the road, what is God stirring in your heart right now in a moment of tension as you find yourself in the middle of this transition, looking back to the old normal, but looking forward to a new normal, uncertain of what it's gonna look like. The ultimate question I wanna ask you is where is your allegiance? Where's your loyalty? Where's your commitments? Is it to you? Is it to an initiative? Is it to an agenda? Is it to a political party? Is it to a nation? Listen, some of those things aren't bad, but they're not the ultimate. The ultimate is Jesus. And so this morning, my, my ask is that you would consider a pledge of allegiance to Jesus Christ himself as the ultimate as the final authority, the final call, laying aside every other agenda, every other um, association, every other loyalty or commitment, laying them to the side and saying, Jesus, I trust you. You are ultimate, you are my everything. And so I'm laying all of that down and I am trusting you. And I wanna know your plans and your purposes for my life. I wanna trust you and I wanna be strong and courageous in this time of uncertainty, believing that your ways are better than my ways. Would you be willing to do that today? Would you be willing to just trust him with everything? If so, just tell him that. Just say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I pledge my allegiance to you for life. 
not just today, but every single day. I want my life to fall in alignment with the life that you've called me to live, that you gave your life so that I could live. And then thank him for loving you. God, we thank you for this season of tension. We thank you for this opportunity to just trust you. I pray that you would work in us in ways that only you can work, that it would be unordinary, that it would be supernatural, that it would be unique, and it would be unavoidable for us to step into it with all confidence, trusting you. God, we love you. We trust you. We give you today. We give you this week. We give you our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as um, I just talked about, these days are bringing lots of different transitions and lots of um, things that are coming and going. And uh, so as we wrap up our time together this weekend, I I want Johnny Jones to to come up on the the stage with me. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to know Johnny a lot over the last couple of years and um, value his friendship. And I think you know that. I hope you know that. I don't know that I can adequately probably say that, but I know that uh, myself, Mark, and Laura um, have been amazed at the contribution that you've made in our own lives, but also at Community of Faith. And, you know, I said transition, and that's because Johnny Jones is transitioning off of the team at Community of Faith. And um, it makes me sad, makes us sad, because we're better with him here. But I also know that in conversations that Johnny has been praying a lot about this and is excited about the opportunity. Johnny, tell, tell everybody, I know you, you and I have talked about this already, but tell us, uh, what is it that you're going to be doing now? Hey, friends. Um, listen, first and foremost, this is super bittersweet for me uh, because I, I wasn't seeking this opportunity, but um, I do believe that it is God-ordained. Um, so uh, pretty soon I'll be transitioning to um, be the executive director of a nonprofit downtown called Bread of Life, where we pursue uh, resources and support for the chronically homeless individuals uh, throughout the city. And so um, I'm sad. Yeah. Um, I'm excited, but I'm sad at the same time because I love you guys. You are and have, <clears throat> have been my family. And so um, I love you. And yeah. Well, we're sad too. Um, I talked about it in my message. Um, there's moments where my mood can change really quickly. And I made the comment jokingly that I would like to punch people in the face sometimes and make my <laughs> mood change. And uh, I'm not going to punch you in the face today because Amen. I love you, man. And uh, I'm love thankful you for too, you. Brother. Um, and I know God's in it because I know you love God and you trust God. And uh, so I'm excited because I know that this is something you're passionate about yeah. and God's in it. So I expect that God's gonna do some really cool stuff and he's gonna do good things here too. Yeah. So um, I just wanna pray in our time together before we jump back to the early show. I wanna pray for you, pray for community of faith. Join me in praying for Johnny. Let's agree together um, in this time of transition as uh, difficult as that is sometimes. So let me pray for you, man. God, I thank you for Johnny. Um, I thank you for his relationship. Uh, that we get to have for the friendship that we have um, for the influence that he's had at Community of Faith. Lives have been impacted in this church and in this community because of his love for you. And uh, we're grateful for that. Um, I know there's stories that we haven't even already heard yet, but I know that there's stories being written because of the way that you use Johnny at Community of Faith. So we're thankful for that. We, uh, we give you the glory for that. Um, but it also gives us a lot of confidence in what you're going to do in Johnny's life moving forward and the work that you're going to use him in and how you're going to continue to in- expand his influence. So I pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in Johnny's life, 
um, in his marriage with Adriana and in his new responsibility and role at Bread of Life Ministries. I just pray that you would do amazing things, things that are, are even beyond Johnny's imagination. And uh, would you receive a lot of glory? Ultimately, would you draw thousands to yourself through his work and through his labor? God, we, uh, we trust Johnny in your hands. We trust community of faith in your hands. Um, when things are uncertain, we know that you're in control. And uh, so we are gonna move forward in this strong and courageous because we know that you are with us. You are with Johnny, you are with us. And uh, so we ultimately trust you. And uh, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Johnny, we love you, man. Love you too, Sad brother. to see you go, but um, you're still going to be around, so we're still going to see yes. you some. So <laughs> Community of Faith, it's been, uh, it's been a good day, and uh, we love you. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your holiday weekends. Have a great week. Hang out. Early show is about to kick back off. We'll see you next weekend. See Bye, guys. guys.